So we're here with Marie Bazzetti. It's hard for me to say that because I still think of you as laser. It's all good. <laughs> Mr. Laser. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, how come he didn't take your name? I don't know. Anyway, uh, who, you're an advisory software engineer at That's IBM. right. That's right. Advisory. Yep. <laughs> Advising lots of people. Do you have any advice for our listening audience? Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> Don't at the answer moment. same times from Frank. <laughs> oh, on yeah, a that's a good no, that that's exactly what I should have said. <laughs> so um, uh, we wanted you to come on because we've had some requests uh, recently from Alex, uh, who's a listener, who wanted to talk us to talk a little bit about. Um, application programming uh, on ZOS, mm-hmm. especially kind of what languages. And, and you did a stint in language environment. Yeah, so it was you, definitely. It was more than a stint, I'd say. It was probably about two-thirds of my career at this point. So. What is that, like three years, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got what I got. I got about 13 years in, at IBM now. So I was working as a developer for language environment, oh, I'd say 2000. 2005, 2004, until about 2011, 2012. So So you've done it for a while. It's a good chunk, yeah. (laughs) And the language environment, that's like where all the verbs and nouns and stuff live? (laughs) Is that... How does that work? <laughs> the language environment is a common runtime environment for a bunch of the higher-level languages on the platform. So you're talking C, uh, COBOL, Fortran, um, and PL1. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that the only language you ran on the mainframe was COBOL. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's everything I've read. <laughs> <laughs> I know, COBOL is definitely popular, and it's still popular, I would have to say. But, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a few other ones that you can be be working with. Uh, you've got your choice of things out there. So. so, So what does language environment do then for me? So what's cool about it is, like I said, it's a common runtime library for all these languages. So what it's doing is sort of managing a lot of your your heap requests, your messaging, all that stuff um, under the covers for you. So you don't have to have um, separate run, you know, separate pieces for all these different runtimes doing this. So they can all, there's a lot of interoperability with the languages. They can all be talking to each other really easily. Um, it just makes things a lot easier for people to be working with these applications. So if I'm running a a program in, in say, COBOL because I'm 85 million years old (laughs) and I'm used to writing in COBOL, uh, I can then easily link to a program running in C or... Definitely. Yep. They can all talk to each other pretty easily. Does Java fit into that? Java definitely fits into this. Um, Java is using the C runtime library under the covers, which is, of course, then using language environment under the covers. So it's definitely this layered effect all all playing into each other. It's pretty cool. So, uh, and for those of us who've been in uh, IBM for quite some time, language environment has been around for for a while, right? Yeah, I I couldn't tell you the exact year, but I know you know um, there was some development going on over in California back in at least the '90s. I don't know much further beyond that, but so so we've been working on this for a while. Are we done? Is language environment no, done? No, language yeah. environment is not done. Uh, there's still <laughs> still development going on, of course. Um, so you look like you're about to say something, Jeff. <laughs> Well, you know, we're, any day now, I'm going to seal it off. I mean, <laughs> because we're done with languages, right? Well, when's Visual Basic? Oh. In the land there, or, uh... 
No, no. There's, there's definitely still work going on. Um, great team over in Beijing working on this at the moment. So, so after I write a program yeah. for the mainframe, yeah. Obviously, I need to like print it out on punch cards, or how does <laughs> no, that no, work? No, no, no. All that's oh. a, a thing of the past, really? right? You can do all your compiling and linking and stuff, right? You need either, either JCL through you know Unix System Services. All you know, you got your variety of choices here. So, so like on a, on a Unix or a Windows platform, I, c- I can write code. Yep. Uh, you know, I run a, another command to compile it. And, you know, maybe pulling some some linkages. And then I can just, you know, type the name of, you know, a.out or whatever and, mm-hmm. and, and run it. Yep. What steps do I need to do to run, say, a C program? You on? basically just listed off all the steps pretty much. <laughs> oh, do, really? You could do the same exact stuff, especially if you're, I mean, my, my forte is to be running from, from the shell. So I definitely like to be programming from that side of the, you know, the... Um, the platform. I there's definitely other diehards who like to be doing all this through JCL and um, you know, managing all their stuff from the MVS side. But I'm um, I'm a shell girl myself, so <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely be taking basically those those essential steps from that side of things that you just listed off. Cool, it's pretty easy. So if I'm if I'm a programmer in the non-mainframe world, um, what, what do I need to do to become a mainframe programmer? Or is it like skiing and snowboarding where it's different parts of the brain and you know I guess it would I guess it depends kind of on your the language of choice right so I mean when I started on LE I didn't have any mainframe experience coming into the company either so no no I didn't not whatsoever <laughs> so. yeah, a 19 year old Marie Laser didn't have a 50 years of mainframe experience behind her? Definitely did not. So, Shocking. Yeah. So but was, she is very smart. I was so, you learning know, as possible. I was going. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, thank you, Frank. <laughs> so, yeah, learning as I was going. But um, I don't know. I just kind of hopped on. Like, it was nice to have some a bit of Unix experience coming in. So, for me, that was the easiest way to kind of leap into things was, was from that side of um, the operating system. So... Um, you know, I had experience, obviously, from being in school, writing programs and running them through environments like that. So it was it was a pretty easy leap for me. But I have to say, if you you know you start looking at some of those these other older languages, that um, maybe there's some other things you need to know about. I don't know, memory management, and just stuff like that. That that you kind of learn as you go and talk with more experienced people around here about. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Because the the thing that would I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing the microphones here it, the the thing that would really drive uh, draw me to program on the mainframe would be uh, getting access to those types of facilities that like uh, Joe Gentile talked about like uh, um, RSM NQDQ and GRS like mm-hmm. those are powerful system level facilities like mm-hmm. how uh, is that like uh, an intermediate level course or how how do you oh. how long does it take before you get into that good stuff ah goodness I don't have a good answer for that but. I mean, you've definitely got, like, your assembler interfaces, I would say, into those things and more of the system calls and stuff that uh, you can make use of with that. But there's also, like, the Unix system services calls and whatnot that you can be calling from a lot of the language environment uh, languages. So C is definitely the one that I always go to in terms of, you know, talking about that kind of stuff. So Right. It seems like you kind of have access to pretty much everything from C. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can can you kind of talk a little bit about Unix system services? Because that's kind of a, a weird say uh, that again. outgrowth <laughs> of – Outgrowth. Because people think of, you know, um, 
of Unix as something completely different, and mainframe is all COBOL-y, TSO-y yeah. kinds of stuff, yeah. right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know a lot of the history behind it, but I do. Know, I can tell you that basically, it's it's you know a kernel piece of um, programming here that allows you to interface with the the ZOS, the guts, like the you know the the the, the core pieces. So, um, like I said, I'm not too familiar with the history um, when development started on that, but. Uh, you know, you, you go back to this layered effect here I was talking about before where, you know, the higher level languages are using LE and then LE is making calls under the covers to USS if you're, you know, you're talking about, um, oh, goodness, I can't remember the name, the word I'm thinking of. But anyway, regardless, regardless, <laughs> regardless, um, it's just this cool layered effect where eventually you'll get your, make your way down into the, the core pieces and be able to access stuff if you have the right authority. Well, and that's kind of the neat thing, right, is that with, with language, sorry, with language environment, <laughs> uh, I have the ability to to take advantage of a lot of that lower level capability yeah. without having to know how it works, yeah. right? And yep. so Unix System Services came out of that whole MVSO environment, which, if I recall correctly, um, was due to uh, government requirements. We wanted to be able to kind okay. of connect with the government. And uh, one of the things that we had to do was be POSIX compliant. Yes, that's the word right? I was looking for. So, <laughs> there it is. We'll just dub that yes. in. Yes, <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> so uh, the the thing that I always liked about the whole USS thing was that it, it wasn't a separate um, capability. It's really just a separate way of looking at what we have. Yep. And so you have the ability to kind of issue these calls and and to you they look like regular old Unix calls and underneath the covers it does whatever it is it does yeah. to make it. Yeah, making lots of decisions to deter- you know, definitely dependent on kind of some options that you might have set in the environment or environment variables and whatnot. So, yeah. But, but over time a lot of the USS stuff became integral to setting up and installing new Middleware and applications mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, especially when it came to uh, you know or comes to file systems. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, yeah. I know that all those those well, the people I know at least in those development areas they all work pretty closely together and are yeah ZFS yeah yep ZFS um, NFS I don't know all the, geez, there's all the, all the uh, <laughs> well, FSs one there. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to get somebody who can talk about FSs. Yeah, all the FSs. All the FSs. (laughs) But we had, you know, uh, we've had somebody on talk a little bit about ComServer, and a lot of that takes advantage of these Unix system services capabilities, right? So the the neat thing about a lot of the the USS stuff is it's almost like uh, for those older Z people. Assembler macros, right? Which would which would fill in mm-hmm. so that you didn't have to memorize every mm-hmm. single yeah. um, capability, right? So I like to think of USS as the as the a shorthand way of getting into um, a lot of the underlying. That's a that's a cool way to think about it. I like Be- that because it it allows me to not have to worry yep. or think about <clears throat> right. And and Lord knows if I don't have to think, that's a good thing. <laughs> We're all a, a whole lot safer. <laughs> Well, I just remember it had, I had been working on ZOS for a couple months, maybe, 
And it was like, okay, this is completely new. Uh, this is alien technology. I need to figure it out. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, you have to drop into USS for this. And like, wait, there's a eunuch yeah. shell here? <laughs> like, why aren't we just using this for everything? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's definitely my favorite place to yeah, hang out. Yeah, give me something but... <laughs> familiar. Oh, you mean I, I can tell net into this too? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we try not to get people to tell net in these days, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. Let's SSH. I was just going to say, let's do the SSH route instead. But I, mean, I was the... being period correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of the neat thing, right, is I can SSH in, mm-hmm. and it's a shell. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. a POSIX-compliant shell, and, and I don't have to... set it up the way you like, and, you know, it's uh, it's it's really definitely nice. So so the, the, the diehard MVSers... Yeah. Um, in 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 the world, will say oh, I would never do that. I would use OMVS. Do you ever use OMVS? I actually do still use OMVS. Do you really? I do. I um sometimes I'll have both uh you know a, a terminal and then um where I'm SSH'd in and then OMVS opened as well. There's just something I've because that's what I first learned on when I started was was through OMVS and using OEdit and all those things to do mm-hmm. my development work. So there's just there's just a part of me that really loves to go in and use all the function keys and that it just sounds so ridiculously silly, but yeah, I do I do still use it, um, especially for some of the things where you're talking about like ASCII to PSIDIC conversions and all that that stuff. Sometimes I find it just easier. I'm just going to go log on to the green screen <laughs> and go check things out through there. So I've it's I have, definitely have both of them open mostly at the same time. So so. Uh, can you explain to somebody who's who's really not a Z person what OMVS is? And oh, I guess it's basically your interactive shell. I would say um, it's a task that you can run from TSO um, and brings up a a terminal like um, uh, area for you to, you to do your whatever it is you need to do your business in. So yeah, that's a nice way of putting yeah. it. I, I would have called it a crutch, but. <laughs> It's nicer the way you said it. Well, thank you. I so, tried. so for the, for those MVS people, right? It's a nice crutch that's still kind of thirty two seventy, but allows you to do yeah. commands. Do you ever use the iShell at all? I do not. Yeah, because... I have I have launched it once or twice, but no, I'm not on purpose. <laughs> Just because somebody else was helping me with something, and then they liked to go through that uh, method, and w- w- it was very nice of you not to call them names. <laughs> no offense to people who use the iShell. There but, you go. But it's it's kind of a thirty two seventy way of looking at the file system. Yeah. Yep. And it is in this person's opinion <laughs> cumbersome and ugly. I, I think that's a good fair you know, fair explanation about that. But and, hey, to each their own, right? Yes, we will get we will get some people get, getting mad at me for saying that. Direct all feedback to me. <laughs> Frank at terminaltalk.net. Um, so, so moving beyond some of this stuff, because, yeah, okay, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, the, the shell and, and OMVS and stuff like that. But that's not what you do today, right? That is not what I do today. Well, what is it that you do today? <laughs> I've actually um, been working for the past year on uh, a new team in ZOS uh, Development Org. Um, 
well, I, it's, I, I guess it's in a little higher than that, but um, basically we're a prototyping team uh, for ZOS that we, we look for sort of new and interesting ways to do um, do things on the platform um, that might produce some interesting business value for for our customers, for us. So, yeah, we've been playing around with lots of different technologies and, and topics and learning about things, and so it's been a lot of fun. Pretty challenging. Got to, you know... <laughs> Bring go you know get up to speed pretty quickly on on stuff that you might not know about. So that's been fun. Cool. In in this job though, you're more like a, an application programmer than a. Yeah, at times for sure. Um, right now, I'm I'm working actually um, with some Python code. So I've been um, building some stuff on uh, on ZOS that's all Python based. I can use Python on the mainframe. Yeah, isn't that cool? That that uh, that wasn't the case only you know maybe even just a few years ago, right? So, yeah, that's been that's been a pretty fun adventure so far using using Python because I love Python. So, um, it's been cool to be able to do that uh, on the platform. The way that we love Python, the, there's a lot of people who uh, love Rex. <laughs> And when, I know, I know some of those people. Yeah, don't, yeah, they're they're, uh, and it, but and it seems like the the minute you start talking about, hey, we, we built some new fancy way of doing this thing. Yeah, it's like you're 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 trying to take away my cult, my my, my Rex, aren't you? Oh, Rex isn't going away. What are you doing away, with my Rex? So Why are you taking away there. my Rex? <laughs> it's just nice that there's other avenues now for people who are more familiar with these more. I guess you could call modern modern languages to be able to do stuff as well on the platform without needing to go back through these books and learn learn something like Rex and you know. Right. I, I, it, there, I see I see two uh, different kind of views of that. Is that, you know if, if you look at some of the um, older, more established languages, they tend to be, um, and I mean this in the best possible way, flat in that you can read them fairly like English like mm-hmm. there's it's not very convoluted where yeah. if you talk about one of the newer languages like what like a Swift or a Go or something like that yeah you can do a whole lot of stuff in five lines of code yep uh, but when you go out and like stack overflow and look at how these five lines of code are written you can stare at it for 30 minutes and you're just mentally reassembling it there's so many dots and parentheses yeah. and brackets and stuff um, so I understand you know that, you, that there's the power the understandability and the flexibility um, where do you see like both sides of that fitting in for languages on on Z? Take a heavy sigh if you need to. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a heavy question. <laughs> it's a heavy podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of the newer the newer stuff, where you're talking about all these kind of syntax, you know, kind of craziness, where you're learning things uh, that that might not be too intuitive right off the start. I mean. Yeah. Is that kind of where you're going yeah, with this? Yeah, exactly. Like, like with Swift. Yeah, I haven't personally programmed in Swift yet, so. But. Okay. But speaking as an old timer. Yeah. Uh, and we we all know that I'm the old timer. <laughs> well, that's why I keep making bigger monitors so you can keep <laughs> reading stuff. Hey, the fonts just because it's a foot high doesn't. Um, but you know, th- this whole um, arcane. <laughs> language is not a purview of just the new stuff, right? Mm-mm. My native computer language was APL, uh, and APL was the same kind of, hey, look at all the capability that I can put together in one line that I would then throw away because you had to be in the right frame of mind. To right. Know. 
Right. So, so and that frame of mind might be like a twenty-minute period. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, that's why we used to say, "Look, use the first line to to document what the function did." Yeah. So that I don't have to figure out what you did. I'll just rewrite it. Right. And w- because it's, you know, we used to have competitions back when I was your age um, to find out how much you could do in one line of APL. Right. So, so it's not something that's new. Uh, we've been writing arcane stuff for years. There, there's another <laughs> programming language that I'm not allowed to mention on here that uh, uh, one of those tr- <laughs> trick programming languages. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, though, I also want to give a plug for at uh, more COBOL. They're... Uh, <laughs> They post COBOL related stuff, and it, it, it's a it's refreshing. I'm gonna have to go check that one out. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So so the shout the, out to COBOL. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with no. COBOL. There's not definitely. <laughs> and to your point, right? It's easy to read because yeah. it's just English. Yep. Right. Um, once you understand, like any language, for those of us who've been doing languages for a long time, and um, you become pretty much polyglot, right? For me, the change was Java um, and C++ when you had to start thinking more objects. I am, yeah. Java is like, that's definitely a weak area for me. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I won't be happy until I can run Node on Z. Ah, it's funny you're bringing that up. Node.js, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh... I actually just heard some great things about Node.js on ZOS uh, at Share over the summer. So um, one of the developers that was in the language track was I was talking to him a bit about it, and uh, he's he's uh, responsible for the SDK up in Toronto. So um, it's so, there. So you can actually run Node.js <laughs> on Z. Oh, I know. Oh my wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I felt a little lightheaded and I fainted there. <laughs> Okay, now though, it sounded I'm, I'm, I, before I blacked out there. I, I heard some weird things. It's it sounded like you were saying you can run Node.js on a mainframe. Indeed, right? indeed, that is the word on the block. <laughs> Jeff, get up! Oh, word on the block is you can definitely do that. <laughs> now I have I myself haven't tried it yet, but uh, yeah, it's it's there, it's there, and there's. Uh, I don't know if you ever get, I was mentioning his name before, but Joran uh, Swiss, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but up in Toronto, if you get a chance to talk to him, he'd be a good, yeah, well, good person to check out. Yeah. Tell you about Node.js a bit more. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, this has been a really cool conversation. It was a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Wow. Not too many people say that. <laughs> you guys are great. You always make me laugh. So <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> well, thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off. <laughs>